Yeah, it was awesome. Dr. Turner taught me cloud computing, AWS, and he taught me how to SSH in. I can write my programs while sipping, you know, uh, uh, coffee down there in Bogota and uh, working on my Spanish all the while. Welcome to the Bioinformatics Lab podcast. I'm Kevin Libwit, again with Andrew Page. And today we're talking about my career in the world of public health, pathogen genomics, and bioinformatics at large. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Andrew, you, you want to maybe prompt some questions uh, to get the thing started so I can uh, you know, yeah, babble I mean, on about my life. This is like a job interview for you, you know, like uh, I get to interview you the other way around. And uh, yeah, so like I've known you for nearly a decade at this point, I think. And uh it's it's been a long time and you've done quite a lot, but I don't know your earlier career. So tell me, you know, how did you get started in? Uh, well, first of all, you're where are you from in the U.S.? I am from Virginia, so that's the eastern coast of the U.S., um, right south of Washington D.C. To give somebody some, you know, geographical context of where I'm from. And okay, so how did you get into bioinformatics? Were you did you do a, an undergrad in in uh, biology or computer science, or did you do something totally different? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I went to university, um, started in 2010, and I went into university in biology specifically in the same uh, guiding force as most U.S. biology students, and that I was seeking a pre-professional health track. So most biology students in the U.S., they look at... Um, biology degree as a stepping stone to a professional degree. In my case, it was medicine. In other cases, it might be dental, um, you know, nurse, or not, uh, what's it called, uh, physician assistants, and other pre-professional health tracks. And I was on that same one. So biology was, I was looking past the biology degree and thinking, I want to be in the medical field. You know, at a yeah. young age, you know, you, you have this desire to you know, I had this affinity towards science and wanted to help people and on TV, the people who were into science and help people the most and, and had levels of prestige and an income that I cared to see myself at uh, were physicians. So I thought, all right, let me go the physician route. Um, that's how I got into the biological sciences. And in pursuing medical school, I had to have a strong resume or, or CV in my undergrad curriculum. So I kept getting the recommendations. Hey, get yourself involved in, in research, get some publications. Med schools love that. So that is actually why I got into research was more so of like, hey, they said, pad the resume. Let me pad the resume. I'll do all these things or whatever it is. Um, but in that kind of circuitous route of finding my way into the sciences, I loved it. I absolutely fell in love with it. I had the fortune of studying under Dr. James Herrick at James Madison University. Um, and we were... a really a true to term microbiology lab, I would even say environmental microbiology lab, where we were studying um, the dissemination of antibiotic resistance genes in, uh, in water systems. So we would look at streams that were maybe near uh, agriculturally impacted areas, like downstream of a poultry farm or something like this. And we would collect stream and sediment samples and see uh, what kind of resistance was being expressed in that uh, ecological profile there, or in that ecological ecological niche, and in there we, you know, I started off as 
more on the microbiology wet lab. I had the lab coat, I was growing bacteria, and I was trying to see the phenotypic expression of antibiotic resistance, which was which was a blast, but I wasn't fantastic in terms of lab hands. Um, Curtis Capsack, yeah. who you obviously know, he was in my laboratory. He was fantastic at lab hands. He was, he, he was always able to, I think, um, he had a, an attention to detail at, at that level of, uh, um, at the lab that I could never re always replicate. So I always struggled a little bit in the lab of getting reproducible results and things like that. Uh, but Where I was decent at it. I was, Where are you I, had, so. I was not. In the beginning, I was fascinated by it. Um, I, it seemed like a world I would never really, um, find myself getting into, but it was amazing whenever, so, okay, we were doing the, uh, antibiotic resistance thing and we wanted to see, okay, what's being expressed in the, this ecolog ecological niche. Then I think around my senior year of my undergraduate program, uh, our institution got a sequencer. So it was like, oh, let's throw it on the sequencer. So let's see what this thing's all about. So I learned how to sequence DNA, how to prepare DNA, look at the, you know, uh, the quality of it, you remove all the salts, all these things, and then sequence the, uh, the plasmids actually we were looking at specifically. Um, but then I didn't know what to do with the data. So we had a collaborator at the University of Virginia, Dr. Stephen Turner, and it was like magic watching him do what he was able to do. Cause we just had these like, you know, gigs of data and Curtis and I were like, I don't know what the heck to do with this stuff. So we'd be able to just send it uh, to Dr. Turner. And I even remember Curtis and I being enamored uh, about learning how to send uh, data <laughs> to, to Dr. Turner. Cause he was like, all right, so when you send the file, make sure you send like the, the checksums. Like, what the heck is a checksum? It's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of data corruption that can happen across the way. And you want to make sure there's data integrity um, on the other side. And it was like, oh man, we have to you know use all these different software to make sure we can do that. And it was like, I felt like already I'm like, learning how to get into the matrix or something. So I was I going into this program, I didn't have that kind of an affinity towards programming, the computational side or whatever. I was just like, you know, I used my laptop for social media and writing reports, uh, term papers and things like that. Then I saw Dr. Stephen Turner open this world of bioinformatics and I was enamored by it. And so going into like really the, the latter half of my thesis program, it became learning what Dr. Turner was doing, what was Stephen able to do? And he, he was an amazing mentor in that he would do the analysis and then he even maintained a wiki of showing me everything he did. He would have all the scripts, everything he did. How did he download and set up his environment so that, you know, Curtis and I would be waiting on the other end. We'd get these files of these results and then we'd see the wiki populated with every single step. And then Curtis and I were just learning by mimicry, like, let's see if we could do that again. And then we'd go through, you know, say it was like 10 or 15 steps that uh, Dr. Turner had done. We do the first 10. It's like, oh, we, we're not getting the same results. We'd send it back back and forth. He'd show us what we're doing wrong. Oh, actually, you missed this flag. This flag is very important whenever you're using this command. It's like, oh, okay. Then you start to learn the nuances of things. So that's how I started in the field of uh microbial bioinformatics. And then at that point, I got so, um, I was, I, there was a passion in it that, that I didn't feel necessarily in pursuing uh, the medical route that I thought made a really difficult decision. I know a lot of people have to go through this. I know Curtis went through this um, of changing my career trajectory, which is a weird thing because when you're going pre-med in uh, the US system, it becomes like your identity because it, it requires so much to put together a strong medical school application. So it becomes a part of you. So to make that step of like, I don't want to go that route um, was difficult. And I had really prepared myself. Like I, you know, took the MCATs, I had the GPA, everything in there. 
and it was tough because I remember my even you know family members and, and uh, parents and friends and family of like Kev, you you're set, go to med school, you're you do this route, and I was like, oh man, I don't think that's going to be for me. Uh, I, I like this this world of uh, microbioinformatics, and that's kind of how I stepped in, and have not looked back. Thank goodness, to, uh, yeah, we, we've kept you from the medical world, where you just be uh, just yet another doctor in a hospital. Whereas you know we can have you solving all the world's problems, and uh, you can cure many more people. You know, working public health. Exactly. You know, uh, whatever it is, I feel fortunate to be in the field, and the, the field has been receptive of my contribution. So it, it's it's definitely worked out. Um, and I like that scalability of things too. I saw how, you know, even early in my career, I was using tools that you wrote, in fact, that Torsten wrote, that other people. And I was like, man, these people are all the way across the world and they're impacting, you know, students like uh, Curtis and I. So I love that uh, connectivity of the, of the microbial bioinformatics universe. And I wanted to be a part of it. So that's like kind of how I aimed my career. So then how did you end up in uh, the Virginia State Lab? So I think it was around 2015, there was this uh, national initiative. There, there was two things happening at the same time. There was a national initiative and a um, statewide initiative in Virginia specifically. The national initiatives were PulseNet, uh, which is the U.S. foodborne surveillance program, and then the FDA genome tracker program, which is more of a one health perspective of uh, collecting samples and, uh, you know, characterizing, especially potentially pathogenic strains that exist in, you know, food sources, environmental sources, and also clinical samples. Um, so those were two programs that were starting to adopt whole genome sequencing and bioinformatics as their technological approaches to answering these problems. And Virginia, the state public health laboratory, Division of Consolidated Lab Services, was one of those pilot laboratories um, for these national programs, like, hey, the, the FDA, who runs Genome Tracker, and the CDC, who runs PulseNet, they wanted to see, can we disseminate these technologies or distribute these technologies to the state level where they can start generating and analyzing data? Virginia was one of those first states, and they were first focused on generating the data of, uh, you know, sequencing data, and they had all the technical capabilities in terms of well-trained wet lab scientists to do that. They lacked the bioinformatics side of things. So in Virginia, there was this, um, Governor McAuliffe put this internship program out. It was called like data science internship, um, where he was trying to merge the academic skill sets of data science with the public services. And so that was my opportunity. Virginia wanted to make sure that they had the technical capabilities and, and sought um, maybe they could fill that gap with academic partners through this governor data internship program. And they reached out to, actually, I believe Stephen Turner first at UVA. He was my mentor going through my grad and undergrad program. And Stephen Turner reached out to James Herrick. And this was right when I was graduating. So it was a product of incredible timing. Because even as I was in academia, I did not think about public health at all. I, I kind of, I knew what the CDC was in like, you know, in, in general, but I didn't interface with them. I didn't know what, how public health decisions were made or, or any of that. Um, but it was just by the happenstance of this data internship program, these national inf uh, national programs aligning. And then there's the key relationships of uh, Lauren Turner um, and Stephen Turner, no relation, uh, at DCLS and UVA, James Herrick, my mentor, and then my graduation time um, that opened the door for me to, you know, try this out. And, and actually, I will say this too. 
bit of a theme in my career, but after my um, master's program, I wanted to take time off and just start traveling. I, 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 I after some a program like that, I wanted to kind of back away, uh, take a, a reprieve before going into the professional world. So I actually had not planned on applying for jobs until like six months after I graduated. Then Jane, uh, Dr. Herrick came to me and said, like, hey, Kev, they, you should maybe look into this. This looks like a really good opportunity. I was like, no, man, I, I want to be able to travel. I don't want to go to Richmond and do this program yet. And then we kind of did a meeting with uh, DCLS and they're like, hey, it's going to be remote. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can travel and learn how to do bioinformatics all at the same time. Uh, so something that uh, I was able to do was actually I traveled to uh, South America. I was in Bogota, Colombia, uh, fulfilling my first bioinformatics internship in public health. Uh, so I was setting Great. up like salmonella. Yeah, it was awesome. Dr. Turner taught me cloud computing, AWS. And he taught me how to SSH in. I can write my programs while sipping, you know, uh, uh, coffee down there in Bogota and uh, working on my Spanish all the while. That's fantastic, you know, to get those opportunities so earlier in your career, you know, because so many people don't get that at all, you know, and uh, it's a, it sounds like you just took the opportunities that arose, you know, and uh, found your own path in life rather than just following, I guess, what society or family expects you to do. You know, you found a, a better way to, to run your life. So then you were in uh, Virginia State Lab. So how did you get involved with Staff B and things like that? Okay, okay. So when I came into public health bioinformatics, that was like 2015 is when I really started getting into public health bioinformatics with the internship starting. And then I, I think, or, or kicking off or the, those conversations happening with uh, DCLS and JMU. And then I, the internship was carried out, I think the summer of 2016. And then I was offered a full-time position at the end of my internship to come on as a, I think I was a senior scientist first at DCLS. And what I quickly was confronted with um, was I was the only bioinformatics scientist in my state institution. And then as I what? sort of, yes, yeah, scoped out, I was the only, I was one of only four bioinformatics scientists at the state level in general. Like the CDC had some bioinformatics technical capabilities, the FDA did, but no other U.S. states did. Um, in all 50 states? There all four. 50 states. I think oh. there were maybe five. I could maybe actually go we'll count uh, Pascal was five in, in Wadsworth up there in New York. But that, that was really it. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It was wild because we didn't have the capabilities. We weren't generating data. So there wasn't a need to, to you know, fill in with, with technical capabilities. So it was, uh, there was four of us um, that were actively communicating together. It was myself, Joel Savinsky, who at that time was at, Colorado Public Health, Kelly Okison at Utah, and Sean Wang in Minnesota, both of whom are still at those institutions. And, you know, we would be, we didn't know about each other, but we knew that the CDC had some guidance in terms of like people like Heather Carlton, Lee Katz, and all the like of uh, EDLB. So we would often be asking them questions about like, hey, how do I in implement bioinformatics at the state level? And it became really clear very early on that the challenges at the federal level were very distinct from the challenges at the state level. So Joel and I had much more in common than maybe me and Lee in terms of challenges of implementation. So the four of us, uh, Heather gave us each other's contacts. She was like, hey, I don't know exactly how to answer your question, but maybe Joel in Colorado or Kelly in Utah or Sean in Minnesota can help you out. Um, so we all started communicating and then it became a regular call and we were having a blast doing it. And then we started inviting other people who were looking to integrate bioinformatics at the time. And then it became this consortium 
of scientists trying to address these common problems in public health bioinformatics. So then we slapped a name on it, put a logo on there, and we became the state public health bioinformatics uh, working group there, staff B. And uh, that's how it rolled. And now I, I believe at this point, every U.S. state, multiple local public health jurisdictions are also represented in that working group. Um, and there's multiple projects that have gone on to help uh, the community at large. Of course, uh, I think most notably the, the Docker Builds project, containerizing microbial bioinformatics software for public health laboratories. That's pretty you there from the very start. Yeah, yeah, the, I the got that from seat. Yeah. So then, how, you know, how did your career progress then in the lab? And how did you end up in Theogen with Joel? Yeah, yeah. All right. So then that became a whirlwind of activity. So um, I got I came in as a uh, contractor position in DCLS. Then I got to participate in the APHL fellowship. I was a bioinformatics fellow for a year. Amazing experience. That is what uh, allowed me to meet some of the folks at uh, Office of Advanced Molecular Detection really directly. So I got to meet folks like Duncan McCannell, Greg Armstrong, Scott Sammons. They did an amazing job, especially we were such a small cohort of giving us their time. That I think that was the most valuable thing, especially a young career scientist. And you're speaking to the head of this program at the CDC that's you know doing such great work. And, and they were amazing. I'm forever thankful for, for that uh, group. Tiki Barnes as well was a major player in that. Um, Kristen Hannigan at APHL doing all the coordination. So I say all that to say, like, I, in my career at DCLS, I became part of a lot of the national conversations as well. Um, in the latter years of DCLS, I was also the uh, bioinformatics regional resource of the mid-Atlantic region. So I was helping other laboratories, uh, like I think it was eight states, also build up their bioinformatics capabilities. Joel had a similar position in Colorado. So he and I got to talk a ton. And he was all from the very beginning very much a mentor to me as well, because, you know, he had been through his career in um, the Research Triangle Park and oil and gas and then came into public health. And I was just like, I was, you know, just fascinated by somebody who was walking through uh, their career, um, who was who done a whole other career prior to this. Um, and then around 2019, Joel stepped out of his role at Colorado because, you know, the way he describes it, his ambitions as a public health scientist sort of exceeded the roles and responsibilities he had at the state. So he felt the only way to, to really meet those ambitions was to start his own public uh, or rather private uh, firm there in Theogen. And he was a one man show. I had never seen anyone do that. I did not even know that that was an option or possible. I thought it was so gutsy. And I was like, whoa, man, we have these like uh, sought after state jobs. We have pensions. We have all these things that are like, why would you ever leave this? And then I saw him walk out. I was like, man, that was gutsy. And then he really is the, he founded this thing where he wanted, he saw he had his ambitions and he wanted to uh, follow through with them as a, a, a private entity. So then fast forward and I can kind of go through this in just quick, you know, session here, but 2020, my wife and I, again, wanted to take some time off and, and do some traveling. So I put in my resignation letter, I think right. maybe uh, top of January, where my wife and I were going to take a year abroad. Um, of course, 2020 was not the year to, to travel a year abroad. So COVID hit. And so I stayed on in my position a couple months longer to make sure that we can, one, bring in uh, the incoming scientist who's going to replace me, Logan Fink, who's still there today, um, and set up a lot of their SARS-CoV-2 bioinformatics infrastructure. Um, but then I still take, ended up taking time off uh, from my professional world. I left uh, DCLS spring or maybe early summer of 2020. My wife and I took our bit of a sabbatical, roamed around the U.S., backpacking, backpacking in the uh, backcountry and mountains and woods of the U.S. 
Um, and then later, maybe winter or fall of 2020, um, I was actually all the while I was communicating with Joel of like, hey, professional advice to get back into the field. I remember at that time I was even interviewing for different companies. I would, he was helping me, coaching me on that, you know, for, for hey, how do I position myself and explain, you know, my time in DCLS and where I want to go. Um, and then it would, he just was like, hey, I'm actually, this thing's rolling here with Theogen. Would you want to join me? I think we can take a lot of the knowledge we learned as bioinformatics regional resources and help apply that to laboratories beyond what we were doing as, as state scientists. And that was it. So 2020 joined Joel and it's just been rolling since uh, 2021. Uh, we started working with a number of different public health laboratories, taking that model of open source, accessible resources that are reproducible, helping public health laboratories implement these technologies. Um, and now three years later, we got a team of uh, what are we, 16 scientists all over the world that kind of embodying that same ethos of bioinformatics implementation. Uh, both Joel and I, and, and most of the scientists actually, I think all of the scientists to some extent have experience working in a public health setting. Uh, and so that's the perspective we're coming from right now. We're working with the public health laboratories to implement these technologies. And that's how I got yeah. where I'm at. That's really awesome. And it's really awesome to hear so many different, uh, you know, we talked to some different people, all their different career paths. There's no like one career, you know, say, I don't know, with, with a medic, you go into university, you do your thing and, you know, come out the other side. And it's all kind of pre-planned and, you know, you can see from, you know, 10 years out what you're going to be doing and where you're going to end up. Whereas in this kind of role, it's such a new field, you know, it's emerging and you have to kind of figure out as you go along, take the opportunities to go along and things are changing all the time. And you adapt and uh yeah that's i think it's really really cool and i think probably every single person you talk to is going to be quite different in, in their approach you know some will come from computing some will come from biology some will actually do degrees in bioinformatics which i think is crazy you know like that even courses yeah. like that exist but there you go i wonder are there any courses in microbial bioinformatics say it again probably not are there any courses in microbial bioinformatics? Oh, man. Maybe, maybe like a lecture series or something like that, but maybe not that specific in niche yet. In the future, there will be, I'm sure. Or, you know, microbial bioinformatics in public health. You know, it'd be that niche. Yeah, but yeah. That applied. And it's one of those things, and we can maybe end on this. Like, I, I, I love talking about my career. It'd be for exactly that reason. I think not everyone is, um, you know, has that affinity of that set path. There's some people that do like I have close friends, family, they love the set path. That's the way their, their mind works and it's beautiful for them. I think there's also a lot of people like you and I who maybe wanted to kind of jump around and do different things. So I like expressing that side of the coin as well. Um, and one of those things that is, you know, you, you, I remember hearing early in my career that was like this cheesy line, but it's so true, but like the position you're training for doesn't exist yet. And that has been so true. Every position I ever took on after graduate school did not exist. I was the first person to embody the bioinformatics scientist at DCLS. I was the first one to be the Mid-Atlantic Regional Resource. I was the you know, first CTO at, at Theogen. So every position that I came into was created at the, the, the day I started. So uh, I think that's going to be true for a lot of uh, young scientists doing their trainings and looking at their career tracks now, too. Awesome. Well, uh, it was great talking to you, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again next week. Absolutely. And next week, maybe we can dive into your career path and the routes you've taken to land uh, in the position you are now.